Hi, I'm Debbie Harbeck, and I'm a certified life coach working with women in midlife and through the menopause transition. So each week, I'll be sharing the latest information, inspiration, and generate some momentum so you can move forward and feel more in control of your changing midlife body and your life. Let's go. Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Momentum Podcast. I have a special episode today because I have a guest with me. My guest is Courtney Boyer. She is a relationship and sexuality expert and author of the book, Not Tonight, Honey, Why Women Actually Don't Want Sex and What We Can Do About It. She has been featured in publications including Parents, Cosmopolitan, The Independent, and The Mirror. And Courtney believes we can reclaim our power through our sexuality, and she helps her clients infuse passion and creativity into their lives by helping them uncover what's preventing them from connecting with their pleasure and purpose. As her work in this field develops, Courtney is drawn to the emerging fields of epigenetics, neuropsychology, and energy work. She's trained in evidence-based methods like NLP, EMDR, IFS, and trauma-focused cognitive behavioral behavioral therapy. So welcome, Courtney, to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. So I just want you to take a a moment to tell us what exactly you do uh, in your day-to-day and who are the people you help? Yes, so I help women predominantly, but I also work with couples. I've worked with men historically as well, pretty much any gender um, who is interested in learning more about their own sexuality. And when I refer to sexuality, I don't mean like if they're gay or straight or any of that. It's much more about their connection with their sexual being, their connection with pleasure, sensuality, passion, those kind of things. Um, In my day-to-day, I do a lot of not very sexy things. Um, a lot of research, a lot of writing, uh, connecting with clients. We do a lot of talking, uh, somatic work, meditations, breathing exercises, um, and then also just planning, you know, events that I get excited about and collaborate with. All right. So it sounds like you have pretty full days. Yes. <laughs> and so when it comes to your clientele, do you do you work mostly with women in midlife or you work with all kinds of women or men too? Yeah, I'd say predominantly I work with individuals in midlife. So it, it, it just depends on the season. Usually I'll get a, an influx of men, it seems, and then it'll kind of like even back out and then I'll have more women. So it just and then it's like, oh my gosh, I've got like four sets of couples. (laughs) So yeah, it it just, it varies, but most of them are, are midlife. Absolutely. Which is why I was really excited to be a guest on here because, you know, I'm 40 myself and a lot of my friends are midlife. And so this is a very personal um, topic for me as well. Okay. That's great because I know there's a lot of women in my audience who will be very interested in this conversation myself included. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'll start by asking, so what, when it comes to midlife, especially women in midlife, because that is my audience, what are the things that you see? What are we experiencing physically and otherwise when it comes to sex and sexuality? Yeah. So what I see for a lot of women in midlife is an opportunity to really connect with an awakened self. So a lot of women in midlife start to hit this kind of, I've been married for like 
10-ish or so years. And we've like, we're pretty settled. We've got kids in the house and I'm in a job or I just went back to work and like, like this isn't that fulfilling. (laughs) Um, Am I going to keep doing this for the next 40 years with the same person? And we, we start to see a lot of women asking questions about pleasure and satisfaction and really contemplating like, is this really it? And so I see a a big curiosity for women in midlife, which I think is phenomenal. I think it's such a brave first step because I think back to like my mom's generation and it's not that these, you know, issues are brand new, but it's finally among a generation of women where we are safe enough. And a lot of us are financially independent enough to ask the questions that we are brave enough to face the answers to. Mm, I love that. I, and I too, I work with women in midlife and this is the time where I see too, that they're being brave enough. I like that word brave um, to Mm. start asking questions. And I love that, you know, this is about sex and sexuality. So when we talk about that, and I think that takes another maybe level of bravery because it isn't something that we put out there commonly. Like it's not something we talk about, right? So I think it takes a little extra courage to come and say, you know what, my sex life isn't that fulfilling or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, how do I find pleasure and and is it okay? Is it okay? So all these questions, right? So what do you say to that? How do you, how do you start with that? Well, the first thing I want to do is give them a big hug because like you, we just discussed, it's takes so much vulnerability to admit that. I think, you know, as women, we, I was raised of the generation of like, women can do it all. And which is great that we have the opportunity, like no women before us have, but there's also been so much pressure to like be flawless when we do that. And so I think when women are brave enough to admit, like my marriage may look flawless or my house or it's everything's Pinteresty and we look like the perfect couple and everything's great. Um, when they're brave enough to admit like, you know what, like, actually, I don't really enjoy sex that much. And it's just another thing on my to-do list. I think that that is one of the most bravest things that a woman can do is to really admit that she is not satisfied sexually. And I think that there's a fear of like, oh my gosh, but then I'm going to, you know, I'm pointing fingers at my partner and he's a great, or, you know, they're a great person and all of these things. And, and it's really not about the other person. Like, that's one of the things that, I talk about in uh, one of the chapters in my book is that it's not our partner's responsibility to, to give us pleasure. Like it is our responsibility to advocate for the things that we desire and the things that we believe give us pleasure. And then in collaboration with our partner, then we're able to achieve those things. But a lot of times we've never had those like really awkward, to be honest, because most people don't have conversations uh, about this with their partners. Um, We have to be brave enough to to bring this up with our partner. But first, we have to be brave enough to admit, like, maybe I'm not as happy or fulfilled or sexually satisfied as I thought I was. Wow. Yeah, I think that that is bravery right there. And, And I love that you said, it's, you know, we're not, we don't want to say it, we don't want to put the other person down. We don't want to make them feel bad, but it really is us because I think we don't know what we want. We don't know what truly gives us pleasure and it's our responsibility, not their responsibility to, to find out. And uh, yeah. Okay. So, so how do you find out? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, great. Um, what is the magic pill, Courtney? Tell me where I can get it on Amazon so I can, you know, prime it to me. <laughs> I mean, th that's really what people want to hear. And I totally, hey, I'm I'm all about the easy button. Um, gosh, I miss those Staples commercials. Those are fun uh, when you just could, you know, have it automatically fixed and delivered to you. But unfortunately, our our pleasure doesn't work that way for the most part. And so I, the first step that I talk about is really just that self-awareness. Like, where do I feel like I'm disconnected? Where do I feel like I'm lacking? Where does it feel broken? And, and I don't love using that word, but that's the verbiage that a lot of women will use when they come to me. They will say, am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? And so when you give yourself that permission to admit those feelings, that is absolutely step number one. So start by just take an assessment of where you're at and how you're feeling. There is nothing wrong with how you're feeling. So I never tell anybody like you're not broken, you know, I mean, I do, but not in that an explicit way because I never want somebody to feel like their feelings are being dismissed. So if they feel broken, then that's a very real visceral feeling a lot of times in their body. And so we explore that and what that looks like and what's that, what's how that's preventing them from showing up in certain ways. And then we start to explore like, okay, so what does pleasure look like in your life? What does your relationship with even that word, you know, for so many people, I, for, even for me, who's like a sexologist and a sexpert, like for a really long time, I hated the word pleasure because I just gave me the creeps. I'm like, <laughs> what is this emphasis on pleasure all about, you know? And, and it's funny how I ended up coming home to it and it really became you know, my path to help empower other women by helping them to connect with the things that bring them pleasure. Mm. So anything that brings them pleasure, is that what it is? Anything. Like anything. Yes. And yeah. yep. yes, I think when we hear the word pleasure, we get tripped up and we assume it only means sexual pleasure. And for women who've never given themselves permission to really be present in their body, to receive, to experience that pleasure sexually, that whole concept of pleasure can feel really disempowering and overwhelming. And so I help, you know, women say, let's start anywhere. Does, does drinking coffee in the morning, is that a pleasure for you? Is going on a walk at sunset, is that a pleasure for you? Like starting to reframe life in a way where you start to prioritize pleasurable things and pleasurable experiences. And you start to give yourself permission. And I, I like that you use yes. that word because I think that's, Something a lot of women uh, in my practice too, they come to me and I think a lot of times they're just looking for permission to take care of yes. themselves. Yes. And in this case, they're looking for permission to experience pleasurable things that, that it's okay yes. and, and to take the time Absolutely. to actually do them. So I, yeah. I love that. And so, okay. So they're exploring what pleasure looks like in their life, which mm -hmm. I think is a great idea like, I just, I love that idea as simple as a cup of coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so once they, they do that, so it's just about incorporating those things more regularly. Is that the next step? Yeah. So um, in the book, I talk about in, uh, creating a pleasure practice. And so this mm -hmm. is something that can be super simple. My, my goal with my clients is to do one non-sexual and one sexual pleasure practice and finding a way to be consistent. So for some people like, yeah, every day I can like commit to doing a sexual and non-sexual pleasure practice. And it could be something as simple as what we just talked about, like 
in the morning, I'm just going to be present with this cup of coffee and I'm going to like really inhale the aroma and I'm going to savor the flavor and I'm just going to be grateful and just embody this coffee moment. Um, so it can be, again, it's super simple, but when we make these small changes, our, our brain is like, okay, that, that feels safe enough. Like it's, we're not like freaking out. You know, this is where I see a lot of people who in, in anything, it's like they, they white knuckle it. They think, okay, I've got to go completely cold Turkey. I'm going to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop eating sugar. And they can get some short-term wins, but what ends up happening is in the long term they end up doing so much more damage and they ruin really that relationship they had with whatever quote vice it is. And so this is really the opposite of that. It's really about just small calibrations so that the the person feels connected to that experience or to that object that is bringing her pleasure. Yeah, I like that too. And and that's very much what I do too is is small steps taking those small, mm -hmm. just a small thing that you can do yeah. that you're willing to commit to and try and see it. Maybe it's not the thing uh, that you think it's going to be. So, and then Absolutely. It's, it's kind of like an experiment, right? Maybe it isn't the yes. coffee that's really pleasurable. Maybe you're, it's something else about that moment that's 100%. pleasurable. Yes. So yeah, I love that. And then when you talk about one thing sexual, is it something you, you need to do with your partner or is it something for yourself? No. Mm -mm. You can, okay. it's, it's all about yourself. And so it doesn't, the, what ends up happening is that are we, if, if we are partnered, um, and that's one thing I tell women, I say, mm -hmm. you don't have to be in a relationship now, or even want to be in a relationship ever to work on your sexual relationship there. I think, again, there's so much messaging growing up of like, you know, you're, if you don't have anybody, then you're nobody. And you like, that's what you, where you find value, especially in women is taking care of another person, being in a committed romantic relationship. And that's, that's not for everyone. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you can still be in a sexual relationship, albeit with yourself, if you're single um, mm -hmm. and still enjoy the benefits of creating a pleasure practice that is sexually based. And so when I work with women, it's really about helping them to come home to themselves, really helping them to come back to their bodies, to come back to sensuality, to come back to their whole sexual self so that they can figure out how do I love myself? How do I see myself as a sexual being? How do I know what I desire? How do I then communicate if I am in a relationship? How do I communicate those desires to someone I'm in a sexual relationship with? Like what you were saying, it's seeing yourself as a sexual being, mm -hmm. seeing yeah. like how, because I think, and a lot of women, I, because I, I do work with women in midlife and a lot of them are just having a hard time accepting seeing themselves at all, like seeing yes. their bodies yeah. at all. They don't want to yeah. necessarily even look at it. So mm -hmm. it's, um, I would think that there's some steps into getting to Absolutely. the point where you can see yourself and actually appreciate your sexuality. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And one of the things for me that really helped me like personally see it was that I realized that one of the like smartest ways that women become disempowered is by disconnecting from our bodies. Like mm. our, like our sexuality, our, where our sexual energy is housed in our body is such a powerhouse 
of like, that is where we birth inspiration and passion and desire, excitement, joy, like those things come from the same place that sexuality does. And so what better way to disempower and women than by disconnecting them from their bodies. And so I really see like us coming home to our bodies as an act of resistance against those forces of power who seek to control and oppress women. Wow. That's powerful. That is powerful. So yeah, I can totally see that how, if we were, if we're connected to our bodies, I know how powerful that is and how, how good you can feel about yourself and how there's permission there. And it's true. It's almost like we've, we've been, they've taken the permission away from us to, to relate to our bodies in a way. And this just like takes all, all that back. And I, oh, wow, that that's powerful. Thank you for Thank you. Yeah, that way. It really well, and it's also a way that we get distracted too, right? Like if we're so consumed with counting calories and comparing ourselves to other women and like we shrink ourselves physically, but also energetically, and then we don't get to show up in the biggest way that we were meant to and make a difference with the gifts that we've been individually given. And so for me, like, I like, do I still struggle with my body image some days? Absolutely. Especially depending on where I'm at in my menstrual cycle. But I really come home to this belief that like, man, when I focus on that, then I miss out on really focusing on ways to make a difference and be my most authentic self. Oh, yeah, I I definitely relate to that. Because I'm just thinking of times where I did feel, I guess, better in tune with my sexual self and how much that affected Mm. the rest of my life how yes. much more oh. confident I was, how much, you yeah. know, and, and, and it goes up and down for me too. It's not every day I feel like, Oh well, yeah, I'm, I feel really that great about myself, but then there are days that yeah. I do. So it, you know, like everything else there's, it's, it comes and goes yeah. a little bit, but I think you do mm-hmm. need to work on it. And so, yeah. So how do we work on that? How do we get to the point where we feel in ourselves better? Where do we start? Especially if we're starting from a place where we don't feel great about our bodies. Yeah. I think the first step is, uh, acknowledgement, Uh, like, again, that self-awareness of like, okay, this is where I'm at right now. And really taking a perspective of curiosity instead of judgment. I think it's so easy for us to be, go into that critical voice of, well, you're 50 pounds overweight and you're in a sexless marriage and you're in a dead end job. And right. We can focus on the things that like just suck the life out of us. And that makes it really hard to find pleasure. And it makes it really hard to want to come home to ourselves. And so when we start to get curious about the the good and the quote bad, um, that isn't the, the best, most honest place we can be. And I think that's something that I really try to emphasize in the work that I do is that authenticity and that honesty that we have to have with ourselves. But honesty doesn't mean cruelty. There is no need to be cruel to ourselves. There is no need to be unkind. We can still be honest from a place of love and compassion. Um, And so then I think the next place is really starting to think about the things that we consume physically, Uh, emotionally, like, what are the shows that I'm watching? What are the podcasts that I'm listening to? What are the books that I'm reading? What is the music? You know, what are the people in my life? You know, I've heard um, that your nervous system is the average of the five most common nervous systems that you spend time with. 
So if you spend a lot of time with anxious, critical people, you bet that you're going to probably be an anxious and critical person or have an, an anxiety or um, a nervous system that is always on a, a fight or fight alert because that's what it's being primed to when you're around those other people energetically. So mm-hmm. I those are the kind of the biggest steps. And it, again, it's not that we're not talking drastic. You don't need to cut everybody out of your life who's, who's drama and you don't need to cut out every, you know, all of the sugar or all of the dairy or, you know, all of the true crime podcasts. It's just, how can I make, like bring a notice? How can I notice these, these things that are maybe not life giving to me that probably don't cause me to like love humans more or to love myself more? Like, how am I nourishing and really coming from a place of nourishment? How can I nourish my, my soul? Like, do I need to go pray? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to go for a walk in nature? How do I nourish my body? How do I nourish my mind? You know, how do I nourish my emotions and really come out of, come at it from that place. And those don't even cost any money. Typically, you know, I'm obviously I'm a big fan of hiring help and, and hiring experts. If I really want to get results. I know that I have to put my money and my time and my energy where I want to go. And that requires me to hire experts to do that. And if you're not ready, that's okay. You can start with those suggestions that I, that I just had. And and those are all free. Yeah, no, they are. And I love them. And it's, it really is all just about awareness. Like you said, it's, it's the first step is just to be aware of what, what are you putting into your body? How are you nourishing yourself right now or not nourishing yourself right now? And how do you, yeah, how do you go about it without judging yourself and um, Mm -hmm. without being cruel about it? Like you said, because I think that is a tendency is that when we see ourselves doing things that we don't want to be doing, I think we, as women tend to be very hard on ourselves and think that in being hard on myself, I'm going to stop doing it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Nobody hated themselves into anything, you know, like my, I, what I say is love is the only true catalyst of change. Yeah. Yeah. I totally believe that. And then self-compassion and there's so much to be said for that. And I think people think, oh, that would be nice. But if you don't go Mm -hmm. there, I do think it's really hard to get through all this because you're constantly going to be judging yourself and judging Mm -hmm. your body and, and so forth. So, and well, and also judging others too. Like that's how we measure others is how we measure ourselves and vice versa. And, you know, that's something that I realized, especially being a mom that I wanted to really model for my kids. Cause I grew up in a very critical household. My, my body was always criticized what other people's bodies were always criticized, what they were wearing, what they were eating. And I just was very conscious of, I, I'm not going to do that with, I'm not going to raise kids that way. And so that has helped really shape the way I see other people, because I did grow up very critical of others because I was always being criticized. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was normal. I thought, of course, that's how you, and I think it's, in, I, I want your listeners to understand, like I've tried the hating yourself into like a smaller size or into this boxed image that I thought that people expected of me or you know, society was telling me I needed to be and I was, I was miserable. I was miserable. And you just mm-hmm. cannot sustain the kind of life that you want that is rooted in love when you are motivated from a place of hate and disgust. Oh yeah. That is so, so good. That's so true. 
and it, it it applies yeah to everything because that's exactly what I what I'm all about too is coming from that mm. that other place that we're really not used to that we really weren't we really didn't see growing up a lot of families I think like yeah. yours were very critical and we we came from that mm-hmm. environment or and and especially maybe our moms or the other women in our lives were critical or self-critical yeah. and that's yes. what we've we've come to see as normal and it's not, and it's not the best way to, to make a change or do things differently or to get in closer contact with yourself, which is, I think what we, we, we Mm -hmm. need. So for, for women who are like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm further along than you. So you're 40, I'm 51 for women that are a little older, that are going through physical changes um, mm-hmm. it, does anything, it, would you do anything differently or do you approach it the same way? Yeah. I mean, I, for women, I'd say a lot of it is approached the same way. Like I'm a big fan of having as much information, like arming ourselves with as much education as we can about our bodies. So I always encourage clients, no matter their age to get their hormonal levels checked, to get just basic, you know, like a CBC panel to see like, how are our powers? how's our thyroid levels doing and how's our, you know, A1C and whatnot, because, you know, blood chemistry, body chemistry, that plays a significant impact on our overall sexual health. And so, especially as women age, it, it would just be ludicrous not to consider how our hormonal changes affect us sexually. And so definitely being, you know, like, are you in menopause? Are you perimenopause, postmenopausal and being just education around, okay, that's what, these are some things that you're going to be facing physically. There, there's nothing wrong with you. You did nothing bad about this. This is just as part of your changes. So here's what you can do, or let's talk about ways that you can set yourself up for success sexually so that you aren't feeling um, discouraged or frustrated or confused by, you know, for a lot of women who are, you know, in their mid or midlife in their fifties, you know, they're menopausal, postmenopausal, and they, they're very dry vaginally. And that's just mm-hmm. one of the side effects of aging. They're just the vaginal walls thin. So it's a lot easier for lesions and tears to occur during intercourse if you don't use a lubricant. And so just even having that conversation again, and it's really permission giving, like I give you permission to go to the store and buy a water-based lube, you know, like, and that may sound silly, but for some people they're like, oh my gosh, okay, I can do that. Yeah. I never thought about that. And and so it's really just about equipping people, depending on their stage. I work with a lot of women who are postpartum and their body needs are different than a woman who hasn't had a kid in 10 years or has never had kids or who's menopausal. And so really targeting you know, client specific to whatever their needs are based on their changing hormones is, is super important. Yeah. And, and I really like that because I think a lot of women will just resign themselves to, Oh, I guess this is just life now. And mm, there's nothing yeah. I can do about it because this is my body has changed, whether I've just had a baby or I'm going through menopause, my body yeah. has changed. And this is just the way it is because mm. either it's uncomfortable to talk about it or it's yeah. just like, I guess this is just what I'm supposed to do is just accept this. And yeah, um, yeah I, I just love that. Yeah, no, you don't have to. You don't have to stay there. There are things no. you can do about it. Yes. And yes. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. So do you have 
like a, a client in particular that you can think of that you could tell us about that where she, you know, ch changed her, I guess, view of herself sexually and, and is feeling better about herself these days, <laughs> that would be helpful. Yeah. So one of, I, gosh, there's so many, <laughs> there's a couple that come to mind. Um, there's one client I had where she, it was, it's gosh, she's amazing. Like I'm actually friends with her um, now. And that's one of the cool things about my work is that I am friends with so many of the clients that I've worked with and it's fun to see where they're at now, even though we don't work together anymore. And so when I first started working with this woman, she was like, I asked her, you know, like, do you, do you have any negative self-talk? And she was like, no, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, okay, well, I just would like you to like, just keep a journal or an open a, a notes app in your phone. And just like anytime you notice, right. We're bringing that first step, that self-awareness of some negative self-talk. Just, can you just like write it down for me? And she was like, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to have anything. And I said, okay. And so sure enough, our next session, she was like, Courtney, you will not believe how much negative self-talk I have. <laughs> and I mean, I knew she did because the thing about people is our behaviors are a reflection of our beliefs. And so that's kind of like a, if you want an insight into the work that I do, that's always my little magic window into what's going on in a person's mind is what is happening in their behaviors. And so because of some of the behaviors that she was experiencing and things that she was doing, I knew that she didn't have a good relationship with herself, but definitely not with her body. And so I was, but I wanted her to find that evidence on her own instead of me telling her like, well, of course you, you don't love yourself, you know? Um, and so that realization really, that experience, that uh, homework assignment, that experience allowed her to really start to open up to the whole process with me and really being like, wow, there's so much here that I was not even aware of. And so that allowed us to really begin to go on this path together and to really, for her, a lot of it was reconnecting with her body and really loving her body and feeling like she deserved, she was deserving of good and pleasurable things. And for so many of the women that I work with, that is something that they cannot say in the first several sessions that they just don't believe it. And it, it, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow that concept of, I really am deserving of good and pleasurable things. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of women find themselves there that they, they feel like they have to do something to be deserving. They have to, I, yeah. I don't know uh, where they need permission, but uh, yeah, deserving, that's such a huge thing. And yeah, I, I think it's just getting them to the point where they really realize that th they deserve it just as much as anybody else. And um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely really important. I love that. And I, I love the idea that our, it's true. Our behaviors are a reflection of our belief. And mm -hmm. so all you need to do is look at somebody's behaviors to, to kind of figure out, well, what are they believing about themselves? And uh, how Absolutely. powerful. I think that would be a great exercise, actually, because that was going to be my next question for you is, do you have some tools or tips or ideas that you can give uh, right now to my audience that they can start working on this connection with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would start there, like how mm -hmm. often, and even just asking yourself this question by looking at yourself in the mirror, that mm -hmm. mirror work is one of the most powerful work that you can do. 
by like, if you can say by looking at yourself in the mirror, I am worthy and deserving of good and pleasurable things. And you don't feel resistance anywhere in your body when you say that, or you can, you're not able to complete the sentence um, without crying or without looking away or shutting your eyes, then that's a place that should, you should start and, and tune into that and see, um, because our bodies don't lie. I think a lot of times that is one of the reasons why we disconnect from them is because we know how powerful of a messenger they are to us. It's our bodies are always speaking to us intuitively and like giving us a nudge here or like just pulling back or like, man, this isn't settling with me. Right. Or like, Oh, my gut's telling me this, or like, I feel some tension, you know, like, but when we disconnect from our bodies, we lose that ability and we really um, divorce ourselves from the magic that lies within us as women. And so I think when we start to like come again, come home to ourselves and reconnect those wires between the mind and the body, like incredibly powerful things happen. Yeah, I can. So I, I guess you're standing in front of the mirror naked. Is that what you're suggesting? No, you don't even have to stand. Okay. I mean, I'm just, sure just, like just be bald. Yeah. <laughs> Uterus up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, girl, you get that. But like some people can't, that's, that idea is way too much for them. They're like, hell no. Um, uh -huh. so I will take whatever you will give me. So if we can do from the neck up, if you need to be fully clothed, but looking in a full length mirror, um, try different settings and see where you start to see that resistance because it will show up in, in your body. It will be like, Oh, that just, I just felt a surge in my gut or like, I felt a, a, a lump in my throat or mm -hmm. uh, like my, my heart just felt like it like skipped 12 beats, you know? Um, yeah. So is the idea then to do this work daily until you can say yeah. it, yes. you know, and mean it? <laughs> yes. I mean the work, it, yes, it's, it's every day. It, it's just like anything else. If I was training for a marathon or I was, you know, learning how to sew or play the piano, like the goal is to just do consistent behavior modification or behavior um, or um, it, injecting new things into your life that are sustainable. And so being able to find that sweet spot of, okay, I'm not going to, you know, marathon runners, they don't run every day. Usually they take some rest days and stuff. And that, that body's still working on those rest days, even if it's not quote actively doing things. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to help my clients do something every day, even if it's small, even if they just sit in silence for five minutes and, or they don't get, they're not the first one to get up at the dinner table to clear the plates. You know, it doesn't have to be adding something. Sometimes it can just be saying no, or it can be, it, the, the point of it is, is that the, the goal is yes, to do something every day. You don't have to do mirror work every day because it, it just, when, when I work with clients, we figure out a plan together of what that everyday thing looks like. But if you, you're not working with somebody, finding something that does fit and is you're going to do, like that you are going to force yourself to do from a place of love and know that it's because you deserve better. Uh, and I like that. I like the the little things that you can do every day, like the saying no, like deciding you're not going to do something that you usually would do. Um, just because you are worthy, uh, and deserving of good and pleasurable things. So yeah, you, yeah. you can sit at the table and enjoy it while other people clear their own dishes away. 
And yeah. even just yeah. that small thing, I can see how that could be hard for a lot of women to do, to just sit there. Absolutely. And, um, Absolutely. but it, it's so telling and it's so telling mm-hmm. of like, are you saying you don't deserve to be able to sit there while somebody else picks up the dishes? It's yeah. so well, simple. Well, someone serves you, somebody or serves somebody you. And that's what I you. see too. It sexually is so many women struggle to receive is mm-hmm. we have been programmed to be pleasure providers, that the yes. idea that we are there to receive pleasure is like a freaking foreign concept. It like, you know, an orgasm just happens like by chance, like, oh, good, good on me. But like one that's intentional where my, my partner doesn't get anything else out of it. And I just get something you should see. Like sometimes people's heads look like they're going to spin <laughs> when I say, you know, when we get to that point of like, Oh no, Courtney, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I can't ask for it just to be about me. And it's like, okay. And and that's just because that's, we've been conditioned. Like what you, you were just saying, like to serve and to be there for other, to be a human giver and not a human being. Yes. Oh my gosh. And what you just said is so true. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking of myself and this, you know, my own life and, and how it was all about, it was all about the partner. It was all about the mm-hmm. partner for so long. And even when I decided I was going to, and I guess I just did it sort of step-by-step step in my own mind was your mind goes to like, oh my gosh, this isn't right. This isn't right that I yeah. should be getting everything and he's not getting <laughs> Yeah. And it's just so strange. And, you know, but it, it, it evolves over time when you just allow yourself to say, no, I deserve this too. And I deserve yeah. to feel good. And I don't need to then reciprocate all the time. Uh, it can be mm-hmm. just about me sometimes, which is, yeah, so hard for so many women. Um, yeah. So I love that you brought that up. <laughs> that's, yep. <laughs> that's a powerful thing. And I think it's something that we learn at the very beginning, right? At the very yeah. beginning when yeah. we have our first sexual experiences, I think a lot of women, it's because we, because of the partner, you know, especially mm-hmm. in a heterosexual uh, situation. Yeah. I would say it's a lot of the times it's to please him and, yep. uh, and not about pleasing ourselves. So, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that just sticks with us. And that's, uh, oh boy, that's why I love midlife <laughs> because <laughs> mm-hmm. like you said, all these questions start coming up and like, why, why am I, why am I doing it this way? Yes. Why am I not thinking of myself here? Right. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, this is wonderful. This is great. I really hmm. appreciate like everything you've shared with us. Is there anything else you want to share? Anything else you think we should know before you go? Oh gosh. I mean, I think for me, like I really like to bring it back to activism in a way. And so one of my favorite quotes that I came up with was um, a pleasured woman is a powerful woman and powerful women can change the world. And I truly believe that like when we start to put ourselves when we start to prioritize our pleasure, we become so powerful in who we are and in who we were meant to be. And I just wish that so much for every woman. Amen. I just think that that's exactly what it is. And you know what? Like I, I work with women who don't feel great in their bodies. Usually that's why mm-hmm. they come to me. They're in midlife. Their bodies are changing. Some of them want to lose mm-hmm. weight. And I think a lot of the time, it's not about the weight loss. It's not about even the no. change. It's about that feeling, that yes. feeling of I own myself. I own my yes. body. I'm confident. I'm carrying myself in this way. 
that's what they yes. want. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's really is about that. And, and, and owning your own pleasure is a big piece of that. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I really, really appreciate that you've brought that here today because so yes. many women need to hear this and it's yes, wonderful. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. You're and, welcome. <laughs> uh, what? So before you go, I do like to ask this question is what's the best part for you of getting older? Oh man, <laughs> I would say, uh, giving less cares. Um, I, uh, that's the polite way of saying it. Um, I just, I, uh, for so long, I was such a people pleaser and such an overachiever. And I thought that, man, if I achieve and I show the world how amazing I am, then, then I'll belong. And then I will matter. And it wasn't until I started to realize that like, no one cares. Like you, you will never be enough in the eyes of the world. It's only until you're enough in your own eyes that that's when things start to change. And that's what happened for me at midlife is I realized that I was enough and I started to see myself differently and advocate for myself because I saw myself differently. And that's when like magical things started happening. So I, mm -hmm. I love being midlife because it is so freeing it is the most free I've ever felt okay yes I agree with that <laughs> I do agree with that I think it is that that yeah. that moment where we can say I am enough and yes. this is the time to do it because this is our time so I I love that I really appreciate that you shared that and so Courtney if anybody wants to learn more about you or about your business how can they get in touch with you yeah. So you can either go to my website. It's Courtney Boyer coaching at, uh, or just Courtney Boyer coaching.com. And then, um, I'm on like almost all the social medias, I'm not on Twitter, but like LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and that's at Courtney with a C Boyer, uh, coaching. And you can send me a message or an email. I love connecting with re uh, people. And also my book is on Amazon or other you know, reading platforms that you can check that out there too. Oh yes, we will. And I'm going to include all of that in the show notes so that anybody who wants okay, to great. buy your book or wants to connect with you, they can go and do so right away. And I do Yay, encourage you to go you. buy her book for sure. <laughs> thank you. So thanks a lot, Courtney, for joining us today. And uh, I hope we can connect soon. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Midlife Momentum Podcast. If you want to learn more about working with me, come visit me at debbieharbeckcoaching.com. That's Debbie, I-E, Harbeck with a C, coaching.com. See you next week.